1: Guess where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you now know that everything you do is going to be turned into a gif. I know. <laughs>
0: My face doesn't stand a chance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to become a meme. Uh, like a real error one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Lucy. <laughs> I'm Amanda.
2: <laughs> I got a fat cat on my lap.
1: Locked? Nice. I got I'm a rash. jumped into my lap today.
2: Ooh, show yeah. us your rash. So
1: for our Patreon folks who get to see this video... You also get to... Diagnose
0: this rash. Please, di- <laughs> please <laughs> diagnose her rash. What's this rash? Please. <laughs> We're holding a contest where at any patrons <laughs> at any level can get <laughs> Kenyon's rash. I, yeah.
1: And if no, you successfully like, diagnose
0: her rash, but like only know, you'll a get a free sticker set
1: or something. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't itch and it doesn't hurt. <laughs> the skin is very dry. It looks like I... Had a ligature strangulation. I swear, <laughs> yeah. I, di- I swear, I did not. I have no earthly idea what it's from. So it's yeah. bizarre. Please get at me. First person to correctly diagnose <laughs> Kadian's rash gets a free sticker set. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But actually, Literally. yeah. We'll we'll do that for real. <laughs> what if it just goes away on its own? There is no winner. Well, whatever. Head on sure. over to Patreon quick then. I might go to the derm. I might go to the dermatologist just to see. No, who you wins. have to wait. You have to risk your <laughs> well, health can and know. wait.
0: That's true. You can know. You're right.
1: All right. No, it still guess. applies. I have a sticker set. Ah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a sticker set. <laughs> I don't need to guess. Uh, anyway, I have so a sticker set.
2: <laughs> so that's our mm. show. <laughs> this week on yes canyons rash oh god my glasses tune in next week for amanda's weird fungus in her armpits
0: you guys oh that is a saga don't even get me started uh.
1: all right no. <laughs> let's let's move on this so this is what
0: happens ha- when we don't record for like Three days.
1: Yeah, that we have to get out our all of our sillies first. Yeah, we
0: haven't <laughs> talked properly in three days, and so we're getting all caught up. And we're starting an hour late because we also got caught up before pressing record to spare all
1: of you. With gossip that shouldn't be shared widely <laughs> from <laughs> elementary school acquaintances. <laughs> yep.
0: So very important stuff.
1: All right. Pertinent so to this- all of
0: your interests. <laughs>
1: This week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Courtney Roy Blortney boy. Blortney boy. Blortney boy. Bloy boy. <laughs> Not not our Blortney but a different Blortney and they have selected the topic of groupie crimes. Yeah,
2: grouper crimes. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I only did there. <laughs> I hope that's okay,
2: I misunderstood the assignment. Big mouth, Billy Bass crimes.
1: <laughs> no, I interpreted groupie crimes as like mute, like classic groupies, like musicians, like almost mm-hmm. famous. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Now well like, on the
2: head. The movie, not the condition.
1: Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> not the, like, people who become groupies of, like, serial killers or, like, Charles Manson or whatever. Those are kind mm. of a different oh. type of groupie, yeah, which that's a different we breed. Will probably get to at some point. Not today. Probably. Not today. All right. Well, what is our wine crime pairing for groupie crimes? Well, I... I thought that maybe
0: a good pairing would be a wine from Wink Wine Club, Mm -hmm. and the one I I chose is the Loves Me Not white blend, Yeah, because you know, in the groupie world, sometimes you're loved, oftentimes they love you not. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes love, it's stage five. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. Well not always yeah. reciprocated. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's often not mm-hmm. reciprocated. So I guess cautionary tale, if you're like following good Charlotte around mm-hmm. the world. At warp tour in middle school with your
1: braces. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe just assume that just because those lyrics really spoke to you and you love Benji. Mm-hmm. Oh, that does not though. mean that that individual will love you back. Mm-hmm. I love a
2: man in eyeliner. I do, mm-hmm.
1: too. Yeah, it's true. Men also, look great an eyeliner. Men Caldrogo look
2: Drogo. great in eyeliner. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Cal Drogo
0: was the inspo for my tattooed eyeliner. Oh, God bless. <laughs> Are you not for true, but could be. Okay. You know? <laughs> but if you say it confidently enough, Kenyon will believe it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh my God. And
0: (laughs) for those, oh my God, really? For those of you who are not familiar with Wink, it is an incredible online wine club that delivers wine to your door. And they have a really, really fun special going on right now for wine and crime listeners, where if you use the code WINE AND CRIME SPECIAL, because it's a special for wine and crime listeners, so it's WINE AND CRIME SPECIAL. You can get four bottles of wink wine for twenty-nine ninety-five and free shipping.
2: That's such That's an amazing deal. Still blows my mind.
0: Yeah. So get yeah. her while she's hot. You can go to trywink.com forward slash wine and crime special and grab four bottles for $29.95.
1: Just do it. Treat yourself. It's summer, maybe. You baby.
0: should treat yourself. And this is a perfect summer white blend. This is a floral aromatic wine. It's just right for a warm weather. It's something you could take on a picnic because you do not need a wine key to open it. She's a cracker. It has like a very light, subtle sweetness. It's really nice and fragrant, but it finishes beautiful and dry. It's got that nice acidity. It goes like really well with spicy food because that acidity just like cleans off your tongue. So if you're eating like a really hot, like green curry, then you can take Ooh. a sip of this and it's mm. going to like cleanse between each bite. It works better than milk, let me tell you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's more fun. It <laughs> is more fun. She clocks in at 12.7% ABV. She's fruit forward with a nice earthy balance. And like I said, you're going to get notes of citrus. You're going to get floral notes, white peach. I mean, mm. come on. What could This go
1: bottle around? is a perennial favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. She
0: is and she mm-hmm. features maybe some perennial flowers. Are roses are perennial, right? Yeah, they mm. come back.
1: Isn't that I the opposite? Know. That's the opposite. but I thought per- annuals w-
0: are ones that bloom just like once a year and perennials like continue to return.
2: No, it's the other, other way. way around. annuals come every year they cut co- they grow back. Perennials you have to plant each year per annual perennial
1: correct. But as an adjective,
2: I was led astray. Perennial
1: can mean recurring year after year. It's very confusing. Yeah. in the flower why? world in the flower world, Lucy is correct, although Amanda should be correct.
2: Yes yeah that's so It's kind weird. of how
1: bi-weekly
2: can mean twice a week or yeah, every perennials other week. that grow and bloom over the
0: spring and summer, die back every autumn and winter and return in the spring. That's why I selected perennials die. intentionally. No,
1: they die, so you have to replant them.
0: No, it says die back in the autumn and winter and return in the spring. Because, like, hostas are perennials. They, like, regrow each year. I'm telling you, I just looked this up. Perennial oh, plant. Wait.
1: I was so confident, but now I'm shook. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> oh. We're wrong. Lives more than two years. I knew it. I just planted a perennial garden, and I fucking knew it. You're right. I
1: knew it. I was so confident, and Ah-ha! I was so wrong.
2: <laughs> Damn, wow, good that thing. felt good. I only
1: have container
2: Ooh. plants. <laughs> Ooh, is this? What it feels like? Yeah, doesn't it's that feel pretty great. great it's a what a rush yeah alright I smell it but I, I am smell right about the, the bi- correctness I am right about the bi-weekly thing
1: sure okay I, yeah. and flammable right. and inflammable
0: great no one asks about those <laughs> things here we go oh I cracked it I cracked prematurely because I was so excited about <laughs> being right
1: Cheers no. to me. <laughs> nice A man is having a great day. It's the best Here's day of my life. life. It's oh the best day of my life. You should see her pouring. It's all <laughs> over the place. Woo! She's your ponytail. <laughs> oh, my God. The adrenaline. <laughs> your glasses. My glasses just.
0: I swung my ponytail <laughs> and my glasses flew off. That's going to be the next <laughs> gift. Are you
2: fucking kidding me? You look an insane person. <laughs>
0: Long hair is only for responsible people. I was yeah, I don't not. Know why you have it cut out for this?
2: <laughs> your glasses Wait. flew off with your face. I know because they're not secure when I have my
0: your ponytail. They're not secure when I have my headphones on because I have to like lift them up or they pinch. <laughs> Listen, uh, get to your cheers. Get to your segment, God. <laughs>
1: Cheers. So, Lucy (laughs) What is This is so dumb? What is our background in psych for groupie crimes? (laughs) Oh Oh my god.
2: Oh my god. Okay. (sighs) Oh, I forgot my bones. There is no psych. Shake it. Oh god. We'll start with the definition from my side piece, Miriam webster because
1: <laughs> my main bitch, Britannica, did not have left
0: something to be desired this month. Have, this week, you should
1: have a boy and a girl, and they should be Miriam and Webster. <gasps> but Miriam, like you know, Miriam, Miriam, Love. Miriam,
2: or just like my next two cats are Miriam and Webster. Oh. <gasps>
1: That's a, really a way easier good than idea. two children. I
2: wouldn't. I don't think I'd want to burden a child in this day and age with the first name Webster. I mean, <laughs> animals have shorter lifespans. You're than already kids. burdening them with life. Why not <laughs> give them some grit? <laughs> yeah. When you're right, you're right. You're welcome. A groupie is defined as one a fan of a rock group who usually follows the group around on concert tours. Or two, an admirer of a celebrity who attends as many of, of their public appearances as possible. It can also be used to mean a like a selfie photograph with a group of people. So instead oh. of like just one's self, when e? you take a group selfie, it's called a groupie.
0: I hate that. I yeah. do too. Never, never use that out it, in the but. wild.
2: A groovy is often defined as a woman who may be seeking emotional or romantic slash sexual attention from a musician or celebrity. Therefore, it's frequently used in a derogatory context because fucking patriarchy. Mm. The term is also used to describe fans of sports and admirers of public figures in other high profile professions. We'll get to it. Mm. Okay. And since we do love our random recent web examples from Mm Merriam-Webster, here was the good one. Pamela DeBar's breathlessly lewd memoir of her years as a groupie should come with a cover-up when taken to the beach. Love
1: that. I would absolutely buy a beach book that came with a cover-up. That Yeah, is some good (laughs) marketing. I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So take
2: note, Pamela. We'll also come back to Pamela. Here's a quote from a 2015 New Yorker article. The word groupie, once a pejorative, implying at its worst a kind of mindless, sycophantic allegiance to famous men, has since been reclaimed by the the women it was intended to shame, although it remains unclear whether those women ever actually resisted the characterization in the first place. Pamela DeBar called her 1987 memoir called I'm With the Band, Confessions of a Groupie, by the way, she wrote several books, but this mm-hmm. one was definitely like her most popular, so I think mm-hmm. I'm going to get it as a beach read Ooh. for when I go to Key West mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. And she writes frequently of fandom as an essentially symbiotic relationship in which intimacy and inspiration are exchanged freely, peaceably, like a joint being passed around at a party. Oh, I love I mean, that.
1: It, it- if assuming that the parameters are such that it's not like inherently exploitative and we will get to it, mm-hmm. but assuming those parameters are safe, it could be a symbiote. It is a symbiotic relationship. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So the next line is sex, of course, is not a parasitic transaction by default. And superannuated tropes about women needing to be coerced via nefarious forces into a kind of stunted submission are neither useful nor true. Mm -hmm. If in 1969, an adult woman wanted to bed rock stars like it was her job, fine. Get it, girl. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Wikipedia says the word groupie originated around 1965 to describe teenage girls or young women who sought to initiate sexual liaisons with rock musicians. The, ph- the phenomenon was much older. Mary McCarthy had earlier described it in her novel, The Company She Keeps, which came out in 1942.
1: Well, it's also just not like a novel concept. So right. yeah. yeah. Humans are attracted to celebrity and totally. sex can be used as like a currency or a way to get attention. Yes. yes obviously.
2: Some sources have attributed the coining of the word to the Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman during Bill the Hoban.
0: Bill Hoban. Bill
2: <laughs> during the group's nineteen sixty-five Australian tour. But Wyman said, nay, he and his bandmates used other code words for the women on tour. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. Maybe thanks at, for initially clearing that. Up. It
1: was a code word. Yeah. But it, it has since been decoded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very popular, widely recognized term. But like
2: maybe at the very beginning, sure. Yeah. So the term was popularized in the late 60s with somewhat salacious articles from Rolling Stone magazine and Time magazine about groupies and sex. A book called Groupie and a documentary called Groupies were also released in 1969 and 1970. So the term by this point was definitely ingrained in pop culture. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is a distinction between fans who just wanted a brief sexual encounter with a rock star and a groupie. A groupie, in contrast, is someone who traveled with the band for long periods of time, acting as a surrogate girlfriend, often taking care of the musician's wardrobe and social life. And these gross. women were sometimes called road wives. They took care of their wardrobe? That's that is-
0: sounding a little bit more like almost famous.
2: I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's gross. Yeah. They no, just liked to do it.
1: Or they were or it was just deeply misogynist and was like, you're the woman. You know how to iron.
2: No, I don't think it was that. I think it was like assembling outfits. Oh, like styling. Like the, like, oh. it's like styling. Like the women actually in a lot of times had like some creative control over the, the, the band, the mm-hmm. aesthetics. Okay. All right. Cool. I thought it, it not, wasn't like
1: laundry. Not mm. that like one is more important than the other as a career, but... I thought it was like, hey, while you're here, you can be my seamstress. Right. Seamstress no. for the band. Mm.
2: I mean, well, maybe being a seamstress was someone's passion. I don't know. Right. And it probably was both and it could have been both. But from the things that I read, it was more like they actually played a contributing role. to Creative role mm-hmm. the, in yeah. some of the decisions. The styles. And we'll actually come back to that because I have some photographic evidence of that very thing. Cool. Okay. So fun fact, not all groupies were female. According to one source, there was at least one male groupie who was named Pleather, who followed around the band, the Bangles, the 80s, like, fun. girl band. And also Courtney Love. Fun. So Pleather sounds fun. Yeah. There were quite a few groupies who were themselves kind of famous. One example is Barbara Cope, nicknamed the Butter Queen because she allegedly used Lando Lake's butter as lubricant in sexual encounters with rock stars from fucking Jimi Hendrix to Mick Jagger to Robert Plant to David Cassidy. Yum. Martridge family, David Cassidy. So she
1: like... Had used butter as a lubricant, or like she used, used it. it mm-hmm. She it, it, would on the bring rig.
2: butter with her. God bless. Like a pound hey. of unsalted in her pack. Hey,
1: <laughs> I mean, you'd feel like Mar. If you were in a rush, margarine, oil-based, be, yeah, be more. It would be dairy-free, right? I don't know. Maybe that doesn't have quite enough pizzazz, right? Flavor. Does it- Marjorie and Barbara doesn't sound as good as you're right, butter, Queen not or as butter quippy. Barbara.
2: Marge, 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 Marge,
1: Barb, <laughs> large, Marge,
2: ah. Marge. Oh
1: my god, she was a Marge Barb. Uh. <laughs> all
0: right. God bless um, her.
2: So she was really, really famous, like among all of these famous rocks, rock stars and she has a bunch of mentions in famous rock songs oh and has said that she has slept with about 2,000 musicians good for her yeah. when she was interviewed by Oprah
1: quite a catalog Wow yes a
2: lexicon
1: what I was when she started as Barbara Butter queen did was she Barbara Bush. Of age was she an adult? I think so. Okay.
2: I didn't see anything that was saying weird about, yeah. Okay. Um, Tragically, Barbara died in 2018 at the age of 67 in a house fire. Oh, my God. So young. Yeah. So another famous group of groupies was the all-female band and performance art group called the GTOs, which stood for Girls Together Outrageously, but it also kind of stood for Girls Together a lot of other words that start with O, including orally. Uh-oh. Oh. Boo. Whatever. So they were based in LA and they were especially active on the sunset strip scene. They had mm-hmm. one album, which was produced by Frank Zappa, called Permanent Damage. And actually, they all kind of met through Frank Zappa. Like mm-hmm. one of them was his child's nanny, the child named Moon Unit. Oh. Cool. cool. So like, they all just kind of hung out. Yeah. So clearly they were rock stars and artists themselves, but they had a lot of kind of groupy characteristics. Mm. One member of the band was Pamela DeBar, oh, which we brought up several times. Mhm. Who was introduced to Frank Zappa through her cousin whose stage name was Captain Beefheart. Love. Oh yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So that's her cousin. So she was introduced to Frank Zappa while she was still in high school. She was subsequently introduced to members of the Rolling Stones and became really fucking psyched about the L.A. music scene. When she graduated from high school in 1966, she took various jobs that would allow her to live near the Sunset Strip and take part in the rock music scene. She famously went on to form friendships with many of the great musical artists of that era and became romantically linked with various notable creatives. This is a fucking catalog, such as. Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Keith Moon, Nick Saint Nicholas, Noel Noel Redding, Jim Morrison, Chris Hillman, Graham Parsons, Waylon Jennings, Brandon De Michael Richards, Woody Allen, and Don Johnson. I don't know wow. who some of those people are, but I know
1: uh, enough, of enough to
2: the context clues. Yeah, she she lived a life. Yeah. So she's the one that wrote the book called "I'm with the Band." Cool. That I that should yeah. come with the cover up and that I'm. Definitely ordering.
1: Okay. I'm oh. just surprised Woody Allen was romantically linked with an adult woman. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Well, she was fresh out of high school.
2: Oof. There are also groupies for other professional fields, such as space exploration. <gasps> <laughs> no. Are there? Yeah.
0: <laughs> what are groupies? astronaut
2: groupies called? Yeah. Uh, Blastronauts? Blastronauts. i don't know space cases i have no Uh, idea oh Oh, that could work maybe there's not a name for them collectively i think but during the mercury gemini and apollo space programs women would hang hang out around the hotels of clear lake and cocoa beach collecting astronauts
1: yeah okay this
0: happens uh like during the olympics too obviously the athletes all sleep with each other but there are Olympian groupies as well.
1: Yeah, and they yeah. like try to like collect famous, as many as they can.
0: <laughs> collect medals.
1: Yeah. Like, oh
0: my god. Yeah. There's like famous condom booths like every yeah
2: Olympics. Oh my god. Well, also you know that really bad but like really good movie called The Banger Sisters with Goldie mm-hmm. Hawn no. and yes. someone else.
1: Yes. And yes. And so
2: they were like aged groupies, and then they like get back. They like get back together. They were like formerly best friends, and they had that box of just dick pics.
1: Oh, they <laughs> just went
2: through them. They're like <laughs> Mick Jagger, Huh. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> that A would whole be qu- box of quite Polaroids the coffee table book. Of famous Polaroids. Dicks. Oh my yeah. God! Yes, I okay, gotta well, rewatch the Banger Sisters. I need to watch it for the first time. Apparently, <laughs> I know Goldie.
1: Do um, anything for Goldie.
2: Joan Rusa, wife of Apollo 14 command module pilot Stu Rusa, recalled, quote, I was at a party one night in Houston. A woman standing behind me who had no idea who I was said, I've slept with every astronaut who's been to the moon. And I said, pardon me, but I don't think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope she was right. Let's hope she was right. (laughs) Hockey players.
2: No, Joni. I just think that's funny space yeah. exploration groupies. That'd be what I'd be into. It uh, totally would. I don't even like music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my
2: H- hockey players have groupies too. The Canadians call them puck bunnies. Oh. It's defined as defined as a young female hockey fan, especially one motivated more by a desire to meet the players than by an interest in hockey. Yeah.
1: Sociological puck buddies. I know.
2: I thought so too. Okay. Sociological studies of the phenomenon in minor league hockey indicate that self-proclaimed puck bunnies are, quote, proud as punch to have sex with the players. Proud as as puck. As it confers (laughs) social status on them.
1: I mean. Wow. Name any. Canada's a weird place. Public facing, you know, whatever. And they're going to be People who are into that, people who Mm -hmm. are legitimately turned on by that fat, by guys with missing teeth Mm -hmm. and mold. To each their own. (laughs) And like really stinky, sweaty clothes.
2: Yeah. The gym bags. The gym bags. One more buckle bunnies are a well known part of the world of rodeo. Oh, no. Wow. (laughs) The term comes from a slang term for women, the bunnies. And the prize belt buckles awarded to the winners in a rodeo, which are highly sought by the bunnies, so they literally try to like collect Get, the bu- collect the, the buckles. buckles. Gotta that find would be my expensive. old stud,
0: Leroy.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, to have to replace your belt buckle after every rodeo. Yeah, yeah, don't give it out
0: at every rodeo.
1: No. Yeah, don't bring your best. Mm. <laughs> According to one report,
2: bunnies quote usually do not expect anything more than sex from the rodeo participants. And vice versa.
1: Well, thank goodness. Because I don't think the rodeo folks are making that much money.
2: No, probably (laughs) not. There was also another article that was talking about these buckle bunnies. And it was like, it said something about like how there's so much like toxic masculinity, like machismo in in rodeo especially, that Mm -hmm. like sex is the only form of like nurturing that these Mm. guys will accept. So that's like,
1: oh, like the only like physical contact they have with not a bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Hmm.
2: So there are also more generic terms like jersey puller, jersey tugger, jersey chaser. hmm. I got called a jersey chaser. What? Why? Because <laughs> you go to your sister's hockey games back in the day? <laughs> no, when I was in college, I went to the, <laughs> the only bar that I could get into before I was of age was this really fucking gross one where all the basketball players went to and it had really low ceilings and all the basketball players were really tall. (laughs) And I just like to just like to grind with tall guys. I don't know. Do you think they went there (laughs) intentionally to feel even taller? (laughs) Or they were all underage just like I was. (laughs) Yeah. Or that.
1: They were just tall 19 year olds. Uh huh. Tall
2: 19 year olds is like Black lights, strobe lights, yeah, really oh. tall dudes. It's I miss talent. a good club
0: with low ceilings.
2: <laughs> it smells so bad in there. That's college. Anyway, that's by segments. So that's all wow. I have to say about. Yeah,
1: it. deeply problematic term mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. concept. Although if everybody is adult and consenting and has agency, you go do for you. it. Like anyway. that article said, fuck, get it, girl. Whatever you right? do, you. Anyway, well done. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to be really bummed out by my case. Great. Cool. I shan't wait.
0: Knowledge is power, and when you know more, you can make better decisions for your body, your health, and your future. And there aren't many decisions bigger than whether or not to have a child. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But for many people, their fertility is a big question mark. So let Modern Fertility answer that question for you.
2: Well, seriously, I, mm-hmm. it it's not fair that, like, we just don't sometimes know what the heck's going on in oh. our bods. So that is why Modern Fertility was created. It is the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you will get your personalized and easy to understand results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over a thousand bucks but Modern Fertility gets you the same information for $159, mm. a.k.a. a fraction of the price. Yep. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, you can get 20 bucks off your test. So, 139 bucks, which you can pay for with your HSA or FSA if you got one, mm. which is, to me, that's just found money. It's free mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have, and other important fertility factors. So these results go really in depth into what every hormone means. And also, if you have any questions, you can talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and your options for next steps. So if you want kids today, or maybe just one day in the future, Clinically sound information about your body can help you make the decision that is right for you. Yes. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yes. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to ModernFertility.com gals. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even thousand plus dollars that it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to ModernFertility.com gals. One more time, ModernFertility.com gals and treat your knowledge.
2: Treat it. You spend at least a third of your life sleeping. Mm-hmm. Maybe closer half. to like three fifths. Half of me. my life. Half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. half in bed. Yeah. So you want to make your bed as comfortable as possible. But maybe you looked at some retailers and calculated years of interest you'd pay on just one set. And Mm. you know what? You know what? You're just like, not for me. Not worth Mm -hmm. it. But trust us, you got to go check out Brooklinen. You must. Brooklinen was started to create beautiful, high
0: quality home essentials that don't cost an arm and a leg. And people, what a success how they do it. Is that Brooklyn and works directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups. So you get their amazing array of products at a reasonable price. And let me tell you, I have an amazing array. <laughs> I have sets of sheets, I have like Three different duvet covers. I have towels from there. Oh, that's just towels Ugh. and their
2: loungewear. Hi.
0: It's all so beautiful. And Brooklyn and has something for your every comfort need. So it's ideal for like a little seasonal refresh. We're in the hot months of the year right now. This is a good time to maybe switch up your bedding. They launch new products, colors, and patterns all the time. So check them out. Don't miss out.
2: Exactly. So give yourself the comfort refresh that you deserve. And get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code GALS, G A L S, to get 20 bucks off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B R O O K L I N E N.com and enter promo code GALS, G A L S, for 20 bucks off with a minimum purchase of $100. One more time, that's brooklinen.com, promo code GALS, and treat your betting. Treat
0: it.
1: Are we ready for my case? Are you? I'm breathing hard because I went up the stairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you need an elevator, girl. You're in danger, girl.
2: You need a dumb waiter so you can text Zach and be like,
1: send up a bottle of wine. Yes. You really do. I would give up a few rooms to install a dumb waiter.
2: A few rooms.
1: Good God. <laughs> Good or you can just be God. like that.
2: Is it like a like a sandwich or a burrito or something somewhere in Los Angeles when during COVID they had the shutdown? So <laughs> she, the chef, she had to leave her restaurant. So now she just makes it in her apartment, and she has a bucket system. Yeah, where, like someone like comes to her apartment and just hollers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she drops the bucket, the bucket. They send up a five dollar bill, and then she yep. drops the sandwich down. <laughs> yeah, install
0: a <laughs> basket and a rope.
2: Yeah. You don't need to
0: sacrifice a a
1: few rooms. (laughs) We'll drop it from the staircase. Yeah. Love it. All right. So on to my case. Just want to preface with the fact that we are going to be talking about statutory rape. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be quoting from the individuals who, you know, are in question Mm -hmm. and talking about their feelings about their experiences and not i am not condoning anything Any that's of it. going on. Right. <laughs> just wanted to preface it cuz it's Got it.
2: These are primary I, sources. She mm, is not condoning anything.
1: Right. Also, i just was really naive and like didn't think that there would be so mu- so many underage, quote unquote, groupies. Mhm. Like it was very much an underage system. Mm -hmm. And it's gross. Okay. So in 1969, Life magazine published an article exploring the rise of so called counterculture. Mm -hmm. Just the counterculture. Mm -hmm. They use that
0: term a lot in the 60s to talk about like goth and pop. Hippies. Because that comes up in mind too. And hippies. Yeah.
1: Just not normal. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Abnormals. And Life magazine quoted them as a lifestyle antithetical to almost every respect to that of conventional America. Liberals and women. Mm. (laughs) Eyes narrow. It's (laughs) for whammy. Counterculture for whammy. For whammy. Counterculture for whammy. So the article went on to note that the counterculture has its sacraments in sex, drugs, and rock, which you might feel like is cut off, but that was the origin of the later, more popular phrase, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm. Oh, that was that article. It was that article that wow. kind of ha- almost fully coined that. Cool. And then this phrase would later become synonymous with the 1970s pop culture, mm. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Great. Throughout the 70s and for decades to come, the phrase would be used to celebrate the hedonism and freedom from societal norms enjoyed by male rock stars. Oh, sorry.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Everyone. Oh, men. Right, men. men. Just men. Just men. Yes, all men Mm -hmm. that are rock stars. So it is not until more recently that with the rise of the Me Too movement that there has been widespread discussion about the complexities of the sex part of that phrase Mm -hmm. and the fact that the relationships with these rock stars were engaging in were primarily with underage girls Mm -hmm. known then as quote baby groupies. Oh so it was
0: very much acknowledged that they were not age of consent.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Not oh yeah. Cool. And just be prepared if you are a music lover to like To hate everyone. To hate
2: everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. When you like, say baby groupies, you're not talking about, like,
1: young children. I'm talking about uh, the youngest I read 13, was 13. 14. Thir- yeah. Lot, it, lot 14. Yeah. Not like f- five. No. Youngest okay. I read pu- post-pubescent Or girls. during pubescent.
2: Not that one is better than the other, but there are different... Baby. Not baby. Connotations. connotations. Like yeah, okay. young, young girls. Okay. I just wanted to see where we're yeah. drawing our lines here.
1: Oh, so gross. These baby groupies were in their own way an indispensable part of the 1970s rock and roll culture, inspiring numerous iconic rock songs and shaping fashion trends. So they were totally a part of it. It's like Mm -hmm. not that they were hangers on just following the scene. They were creating the scene. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. I forgot to even show you the photograph
2: of the GTOs.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. Can we go back
2: (laughs) briefly back to my segment? There's a photo on the drive. Yes. It's a color photograph. It says GTOs. Oh, how cute. Do you notice cool. anything about any of these, the way these girls are dressed or have their makeup? Anything look familiar? It's everything? The same as everything kiss, we did in high school? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she, her, her name was Miss Christine in the band. Yeah. And so she... They all they all did, like, fun makeup, and she had the black stars over her eyes. Oh, yeah. Kiss copied her? Yes, yeah. Alice Cooper copied her. Oh, wow. my God. Yeah. So Fuck. I feel like that was kind of relevant, and then I completely That's forgot important. to address that. Yeah, yeah,
1: so yeah. So yeah, like that, mm-hmm. they are absolutely part of the creative process and and, you know, impetus for this culture existing. They were yeah. important. even though they were young and exploited. Right. Their lifestyles would be romanticized for decades to come in books and movies such as Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, Mm -hmm. which I have not seen since, I think, early college. Mm -hmm. So I can't remember most of it. I might go watch it. Love, Kate Hudson. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So... Although there were numerous girls in the baby groupie scene, probably the most well-known was Sable Shields, a.k.a. Sable Star, known as the, quote, queen of the groupies and most likely the inspiration for Penny Lane in Almost Mm. Famous. Okay. She's the queen of them. She was born in 1957 to a wealthy family in Los Angeles and at the age of 11 began attending rock concerts with older friends. Her parents seemed to be pretty laissez-faire. This is like
0: some Drew Barrymore shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. At 12 years old, Sable had her first sexual encounter with the adult man, I didn't look up his age, but an adult, Randy California.
0: Oh, God. Oh, who was the ew. guitarist
1: for the band Spirit. Oh. Uh, okay. So she's 12. 12. So that is statutory rape. Oh, yeah. If not just like, depending on rape. how old he is, just child rape. Mm-hmm. Yuck. She soon became a regular at Whiskey-A-Go-Go, which was a well-known hangout of musicians visiting L.A. Although many of her friends had already dropped out of high school, she continued attending to placate her parents, but her attendance was rather spotty. Mm-hmm. But she didn't, like, fully drop out of school at, like, 13, even though a lot of her friends did. Mm-hmm. Around this time, she began going by Sable Star and cultivating a persona to go along with her new name. She became known in the L.A. club scene for her distinctive curly blonde hair and outlandish fashion choices. So there are some. Okay. And for being like fucking 14. hmm she, Yeah, she's 14, but she just, yeah, her hair is pretty epic.
0: Yeah. She looks great.
1: Oh, yeah. Ooh, I love her hair. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. However, she would later say that she lacked confidence and, quote, always thought of herself as ugly, which prompted her to get a nose job at age 15, which I'm presuming her parents approved of have, and paid for.
0: Yeah. Well, and even just to get that procedure at that age, I think you'd have to have your parents right. sign off on it. Well,
2: that's that's my she was hanging out
1: with a lot people with a lot of She definitely, yeah.
2: influence. Yeah, true. that's
1: true. I, I, so I'm, I don't know. I'm making the assumption about her parents. I don't know. She was pretty independent at this time, so she very well could have just found a way to do it on her own. Mm -hmm. She attracted the attention of numerous well-known rock stars and had sexual relationships, for better or for worse, with many of them, including Iggy Pop, Mm -hmm. Rod Stewart, and Alice Cooper. So serial offenders. Mm -hmm. Sable would later reflect on these early years as a groupie that she was, quote, nuts to begin with, And, quote, always liked getting into trouble. So she just kind of liked, up until, you know, the end of her life, she just kind of liked the badass Mm -hmm. label of Mm -hmm. what she was doing. And she kind of played up the fact that, like, she was never going to follow the rules anyway. Sure. Her rebellious nature would attract the attention of her high school classmate, Lori Maddox, a.k.a. Lori Maddox, Mm -hmm. or Lori Lightning. So you might see her name spelled with two T's and an I or two D's and an O. Got it. In Lori's words, Sable, quote, lived to fuck rock stars. She was so glamorous, totally one of a kind, wearing scarves for shirts and going topless without hesitation. My junior high school friend Queenie became friends with Sable and introduced me. I was 14. Sable was the same age. I felt completely in awe of her. Wow. So, she, so they're both 14, but one is just like a high schooler who has not been exposed to this. And the other one has been hanging out with rock stars since right. she was 11. For years already. Right. And she, is like she's super she like into it. She
0: started and quit smoking by the time they met.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Exactly. She'd already lived quite a bit. So she, Sable and Lori become friends. Lori t- is like a Sable groupie. Mm-hmm. And they just become inseparable. Soon, Lori was spending most of her weekend nights with Sable at Whiskey a Go Go, the Rainbow Bar and Grill, and Rodney Bingenheimer's English Disco. Good God. What?
0: Ever heard of it? No. (laughs) 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 We need it to reopen yesterday. What a glamorous sounding place.
2: What what makes a disco English? (laughs) What? Well, Who's any Rodney of it? Bingenheimer?
0: <laughs> Incredible.
2: Like so, I
1: love, Bingen.
0: I love Rodney. I love you so much, but that's not the... It's like my sister... My brother-in-law's last name is Finkenauer. We wouldn't open like a David Finkenauer's bar and grill. Like some names just don't go on a marquee. I'm sorry, right? they just f- don't. F- f- it's f- a lot
1: of extra letters. <laughs> It's so much
2: so much Day And you bad. don't want to be like, "Oh, I just I heard about this really cool club. I can't remember the name of it, so we're not going to go." <laughs> it was like something Dingleheimer
0: Jingleheimer Schmidt, Schmidt, Schmidt. Bar and Grill.
1: <laughs> John Jacob Dingleheimer Schmidt Anglican Disco. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anglican disco. Oh,
1: English. Sorry. Anglican. <laughs> Different, slightly different, slightly different. Oh my word! (laughs) Church of England disco (laughs) and Luther's disco. (laughs) And other popular nightclubs on the Sunset Strip. Rudy
0: Luther's (laughs) disco guarantee.
2: Dick Witham's English Disco. <laughs> Rudy <laughs>
1: Luther's. <laughs> yeah.
2: Disco oh guarantee. <laughs> Six months, no financing. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> 0%
1: APR. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, Lori, along with. Sable Star was soon involved in quote unquote sexual relationships with numerous rock stars, including you're about to get really sad, Jimmy Page, Mick Jagger, and David Bowie.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. Sirs, or neither's, or neither's, or both. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the age of consent in California at the time was 18. And these girls were 14 Mm -hmm. and the musicians were all well aware that they were breaking the law and could be arrested for statutory rape. So they like had plans in place. Sure. To make sure that they weren't going to like get caught, even though it was a a public, it wasn't even a secret. It was very strange. However, the quote baby groupie scene became an accepted fact of the LA music scene. And there seemed to be almost no pushback in the larger culture to the idea of these adult men having sexual yeah. whatever with teenage girls. Mm-hmm. So it was just everybody knew it. It wasn't even a secret, well, even though it was super illegal. Yeah. Ugh. Well,
2: a- among the other things that were illegal at the time that people were doing, and it was like right. kind of cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I'm not clearly not defending this, but I right. think, especially Drugs at this and- time with the emergence of this counterculture, right. like, you kind of have these things that weren't accepted a few years ago, but then, like, the cool kids are, like, doing mm-hmm. it. So right. maybe a lot of people just didn't really think of it
1: th- that critically. Exactly. Yeah. I think people just kind of accepted it as, like, they're rock stars. I look well, up to them. I idolize them. And it's
0: also super easy to just vilify these underage girls mm-hmm. and be like, while well, they're hanging they're around fu- these rock yeah. stars in you know unabashedly topless clearly they're asking for this basically right yeah right
1: so sable Lori, and other girls were even profiled in celebrity magazines and interviewed about their sexual encounters with rock stars and they're like 14 and 15 so it was way super normalized
0: oh yeah oh Oh,
1: super public every like in the press Mm mm-hmm and still throughout the 80s, 90s and early 2000s, media coverage of the baby groupies continued to be mostly positive, romanticizing the sexual freedoms of the time and describing girls like Sable and Lori as, quote, empowered and, quote, ahead of their time. And those were the those were the positive mm-hmm. uh, spins yeah. in the press. But there were plenty of other mentions of them that were not, nah. you know, less than not glowing. Yeah. So in some ways, the girls did achieve their own level of celebrity and influence in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. According to a fellow groupie, B.B. Buell, who is Liv Tyler's mother, Mm. which I Mm. didn't know, quote, every rock star that came to L.A. wanted to meet them. It Mm. wasn't the other way around. It was like, we've got to meet Sable Star and Lori Maddox. There was a certain crowd you had to meet when you were in L.A., so then wow. they kind of became, like, gatekeepers for, like, lesser or just newer rock stars to, like, join the L.A. scene. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. And Lori would later recall that back then people went out of their way to stay on Sable's good side for fear of being ostracized from the L.A. scene.
0: Wow. She was the queen. She, yeah. hmm
1: But although the girls in many ways created and maintained the glamour of the social scene that the rock stars benefited from, reference to the baby groupies in their songs were often derogatory, such as in Led Zeppelin's Sick Again, supposedly written about Lori Maddox. Quote, one day you're going to reach 16, painted lady in the city of lies. How fast you learn the downhill slide. Oh, how you play the game. Still don't know your name. Ooh, yeah. I know. It's made me really sad because I really liked David Bowie and Mm -hmm. I like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Well, don't meet your idols. Everyone is trash, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for Sable, the appeal of groupie life seemed to fade after she, at 15, (laughs) she's jaded. Oh, yeah. She's she's jaded at (laughs) 15 met 18-year-old Johnny Thunders of the New York Dolls. That age difference, I can allow mm-hmm. in this context. Still illegal, probably, Still illegal, but... but Slightly less gross, I guess, in comparison. It, I mean, yeah. I definitely had an 18-year-old boyfriend at 15. Mm-hmm. Who? Oh. Maybe not 18. I know who. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Big age gaps. I was young for my grade. Some people are old for their grade. Whatever. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so she met eighteen-year-old Johnny Thunders of the New York Dolls, and this was the first rock star with whom she would have a long-term relationship, although it would be a rocky one. But they mm-hmm. were like an actual couple versus they were an item. Yeah, he gave her his class ring. The New York oh. Dolls. They, <laughs> <nicked. laughs> they pinned her. They pinned her. So, she agreed to follow, follow Johnny home to New York, which prompted her parents to report her missing and several members of the New York Dolls entourage to be arrested for kidnapping. Wow.
2: I mean, that's how I, the system yeah. should
1: work. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, they
2: <laughs>
0: I'd be right there were, with those parents. Yeah. Yeah. Where the fuck is my kid?
1: Yeah. Uh. So, it feels like those parents were more involved than Sable's parents who, like, mm. at age 11, yeah, they were like- Kind of nowhere to be seen. So Sable goes to New York with Johnny Thunders. She becomes pregnant. He proposes, but she rejected him and had an abortion instead. She would later describe their relationship as toxic and abusive and note that, quote, he tried to destroy my personality. After I was Mm. with him, I wasn't just Sable Star anymore. He really destroyed the Sable Star thing. So she was really upset that she had, like, lost her place and her scene and mm-hmm. the, and the whole identity that she life. the identity that she created for herself that she really liked yeah right. exactly so decades later in 1996 iggy pop who you are no longer allowed to like
0: released i don't think
1: a, i ever did
0: anyway i know
1: i don't know mm. it released a song called look away about his relationship with sable which begins with the lyrics and this is gross quote I slept with Sable when she was 13. Her parents were too rich to do anything. <laughs> Thing. You need To try to make it rhyme. Yeah. No, <laughs> she, I like it. Should I do. I You're have right, I do. Commit. Yes. Commit. I have. She rocketed her way around LA. Oh, God. Until. <laughs> Until a New York doll carried her away. Well, that's mm. not subtle at all. No, no.
0: it's just biographical.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a
2: confession to the authority?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sable, eventually, uh, after she edited things with Thunders, moved to Las Vegas, where she worked as a card dealer at a casino. Good for card, her. not car. Card yep. dealer. Card. I heard her. I heard car dealer. Oh, (laughs) that's a you problem. Car dealer. I'm not a car (laughs) dealer. I'm a car dealer. Car dealer (laughs) in Las Vegas on the Strip. I'm a used car dealer. (laughs) My name's Sable. I'm
0: 13 and I'm a used car dealer.
1: (laughs) And I've lived a life lived and a I've seen a lot of shit for
0: you. <laughs>
1: Have you seen my polaroids? Oh, I got a shoebox full of dick full of eggs. polaroids. <laughs> so, she S- Sable Star really her point of view is that she loved her life. Her relationship with Thunders was abusive, but she loved her life as a groupie and it was great and that that's her experience. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Very sadly, she died young of brain cancer in 2009. She was just 51 Aww. years old. So I feel Aww. like she kind of had an accelerated life. She yeah. lived a lot of life. Yeah. So Lori Maddox went on to find success in the fashion industry as a stylist and later as a buyer and part owner of a boutique in West Hollywood.
0: Good for her. We Yeah. Uh,
1: In 2015, she gave a lengthy interview to Thrillist about her years as a baby groupie, which was published under the title, and this is the title in her words and not mine, quote, I lost my virginity to David Bowie. Okay. I feel like I understand the pressures of the publishing industry, but maybe don't give it all away in the title. Yeah. So in the interview, Maddox describes how she first met Bowie in a nightclub when she was 14. Woof. She could tell that he was interested in her, but she dodged his sexual advances by pretending to be romantically attached to the club owner. Okay. Which is fucking patriarchy in a sentence. Right. Like, if you needed one sentence to hit every part of fucking patriarchy, it Mm -hmm. might be that one. Yep. (laughs) She recalled that, quote, I had not yet turned 15 and he wanted to take me to his hotel room. I was still a virgin and terrified. I had probably kissed boys by that point, but I wasn't ready for David Bowie.
0: Yeah, Mm. sex with an alien, a self-proclaimed alien. Yeah, or actual actual alien, an adult man.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quote: How old was he at the time? I'd have to do math, but we could figure it out. She was fourteen. David, and she was born in 1957. Well, when did they have sex and when did he die? He is 10 years
2: older than her. He was born in 47.
1: So he was 24. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not great. Quote, next, so that was her first experience. She was scared. He was like pursuing her, asked her to go back to his hotel room and she declined. She goes on to recount her second encounter with the rock star. Quote, next time Bowie was in town though, maybe five months later, I got a call at home from his bodyguard. A black guy named Stewie, he told me that David wanted to take me to dinner. Obviously, I had no homework that night. Oh, 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 oh Fuck no. homework. Oh. I wasn't spending a lot of time at school anyway. I said that I would like to go, but that I wanted to bring my friend Sable. She was dying to fuck Bowie. I figured that she would sleep with him while I got to hang out and have fun. If we had had sex with every person that we fantasized about having sex with at 14, I'd be exhausted. Yeah. It'd be a different life. Yeah. Yeah. I would be Sally Sable. Yeah. Yeah. Sable Star. So I figured, this is Lori talking again, that she would sleep with him while I got to hang out and have fun. At the time, Sable and her sister, Coral, were both dating Iggy Pop, spending time at the home of Tony DeFries, then manager of David Bowie and Iggy, up in Laurel Canyon. People there were so high all the time. Quaaludes, heroin, whatever. In the limo ride to the Rainbow... Sable said, quote, if you touch David, I will kill you. I didn't think she was kidding. Ooh. OK. We got to the Beverly Hilton and all went up to Bowie's enormous suite. I found myself more and more fascinated by him. Again, this is all her perspective. Right. So not condoning. He was beautiful and clever and poised. I was incredibly turned on. Bowie excused himself and left us in this big living room with a white shag carpeting and floor to floor ceiling windows. Stewie, so the manager, brought out champagne and hash. Oh. We were getting stoned when all of a sudden the bedroom door opens and there is Bowie in his fucking beautiful red and orange and yellow kimono. He focused his famously two-colored eyes on me and said, Lori, darling, can you come with me?
0: Oh, that just gave me creepy chills. Not like sexy chills, like creepy chills. Mm -hmm. The
2: red, orange, yellow kimono gives me the
1: Silence of the Lambs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bubble bill. Sable looked like she wanted to murder me. He walked me through his bedroom and into the bathroom where he dropped his kimono. He got into the tub already filled with water and asked me to wash him. Ew. Which didn't Harvey Weinstein do the same thing? Yeah. Isn't there something about a bath? Something like that. It's a power play for sure. Yeah. Mm. He then escorted me to the bedroom, gently took off my clothes, and again, her words, not mine, de virginized me. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that must have been really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's horrible. And uh, you just can't look at these people the same way again. Cause, like, no. that's awful. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. when the interviewer asked several follow-up questions about whether in retrospect, Lori felt that she had been exploited or taken advantage of given the fact that she was a child and Bowie was an adult. She responded that quote, I was an innocent girl, but the way it happened was so beautiful. I remember him looking like God and, Oh, I can't even say this next part. I'm not going to say it. Not going to say it. It's a, it's a bad quote who wouldn't want to lose their virginity to David Bowie. Upon further questioning about the Bowie encounter, she emphasized that, quote, you need to understand that my life has never been normal. I've always been special. I always felt like the universe was taking care of me. Hey, okay. okay. Or
0: advantage, but yeah.
1: to each their own. And isn't being taught that you're special, like in that way, kind yeah. of a grooming, grooming. tactic? Yeah. yeah. In the same interview, she seems to reflect reflect fondly on her time in a relationship with Jimmy Page while also using some disturbing language to describe their first encounter, remembering that, quote, that night we all wound up at the Rainbow where I got approached by Led Zeppelin's manager, Peter Grant. I felt like I was being kidnapped. Oh, that's not a good start. I got taken into a room and there was Jimmy Page. He wore a wide brimmed hat and held a cane. Okay. Well, don't ruin that fashion for the rest of us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love your favorite hat,
1: and I love a cane. Yeah. But then, so like, listen to like the language. Like, it's her entire statement is so conflicted. Mm -hmm. Not, not. I'm not like criticizing. I'm like trying to unpack. Like she is so conflicted. I mean, trauma will do that. Right. Right. It's exactly. So she talks about being kidnapped and taken somewhere and then things just, like, happening to her in a very passive way. And then in the, this is the next sentence. It was perfect. He mesmerized me. I fell in love instantly. Oh, mm-hmm. On the whole, Maddox repeatedly emphasizes in the interview that she felt her experience as a groupie was a positive one, explaining that, quote, I got to hang out with some of the most amazing, most beautiful, most charismatic men in the world. I went to concerts in limos with police escorts. Am I going to regret this? No. I mean, maybe not. Right? I'm glad that she didn't completely feel the opposite
2: way. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if this is how she remembers her experience. Yeah. If there's a
0: silver lining to repeated statutory rape. Yeah. I guess it's that she has fond memories of her experience. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. It's not about, it's not about passing judgment on her at Mm -hmm. all. It's Mm -hmm. about these men. Correct. She is not the one who is
0: responsible for the burden of saying, no, I can't engage in this activity with you. That's their fucking responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's Mm -hmm. that's the thing is the power dynamic is so staunch.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
2: Mm hmm.
1: Again, her perspective. Quote, she goes on to say, quote, I was protected rather than exploited. I felt alive. But you need to understand that I didn't think of myself as underage. no one does no underage person does i didn't think of myself
0: as underage when i was 14
1: right oh i definitely yeah thought i could have handled all this right when i definitely could not have yeah no so she goes on to say i was a model which is like yeah that's another industry where Mm -hmm. this was rampant I was a model. I was in love. That time of my life was so much fun. It was a period in which everything seemed possible. Who cares what people said about me? This 2015 interview became a topic of intense discussion on the internet a few years later in the wake of David Bowie's death. I somehow missed all of this controversy. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't
0: see this either.
1: The revelation of sexual assault allegations against Harvey Weinstein and the Mm -hmm. subsequent Me Too movement. Numerous articles were published about David Bowie's legacy with titles such as, quote, Reconciling David Bowie's Genius with Rape, Mm -hmm. which I think is an excellent title, Mm -hmm. and, quote, David Bowie and Rock and Roll's Statutory Rape Problem, Mm -hmm. which is a much worse title. (laughs) When Maddox was asked about whether the Me Too movement had changed her perspective at all on her encounters with Bowie, she replied that, quote, I never thought there was anything wrong with it. But maybe there was. Mm. I used to get letters telling me he was a pedophile, but I'd never think of him like that. He never abused me ever. I don't think underage girls should sleep with guys. I wouldn't want this for anybody's daughter. My perspective is changing as I get older and more cynical. Mm. So even that statement is incredibly conflicted, and it's really interesting. And there are parallels here to the discussion of, like, sex work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: wherein I think what should, you know, we need to draw more distinctions within sex work because every situation is so different from the next, and so their, like, needs are going to be different. But there are just certain parallels here to to that conflict of, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think I was exploited, but at the mm-hmm. same time. I wouldn't wish it on somebody else. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Reflecting on the best way to understand Bowie's legacy and Maddox's own seemingly conflicted feelings on the matter, feminist blogger Amanda Marcotte – do you follow her? I follow I, – I think she's okay. I follow her. Mm-mm. I hope she's not bad. <laughs> Wrote, quote, Even if the girl in question says she is consenting, the relationship is inherently exploitative at best. It is good that attitudes about this have changed and that we have taken statutory rape more seriously now. This all shows that the takeaway from hearing the story is that changing the culture works, Mm. which I think she makes a really powerful point there that like, yes, individual people failed these girls. Right. But the society failed these girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's far, and that is a far more interesting and important conversation to have than whether or not you personally are a righteous person because you listen to David Bowie records. Mm Mm-hmm. So, that's I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And it, I feel like we have come some ways in that it's just this all sounds appalling to us, and we can like put words to what's happening and why mm-hmm. it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Whereas back then, they obviously couldn't. Right. That things are shifting and getting better, but that takes work mm-hmm. and it can also backslide. So, it's constant work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's my case. I told you, you'd Damn. be bummed out. Wow. It was good, though. It was really. It good. is really
0: good. And it's, you know, we need those reminders that, like, this is also one of the dangers of celebrity is that,
2: mm-hmm. like,
0: celebrity as a concept in and of itself perpetuates society's ability to, like, overlook these crimes. very traumatizing and, yeah, horrific
1: crimes. If one of these dudes had been a plumber. Mm hmm. Nothing yeah. wrong with plumbing, but like not a no, famous. No, just just a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. a dude or an or an accountant. Yeah, this would not be. This would just it wouldn't be glamorized. It wouldn't no. be okay. Yeah. And his it, relationship it would just with a, be a crime. His yeah.
2: relationship with a fourteen-year-old was published in the newspapers. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it
1: ain't no thing.
2: Like just he'd in have
0: the town no paper. career. That's for goddamn sure. Right. It wouldn't be, you know, if it was a well-known secret in this plumber's town. Right,
1: yeah. He wouldn't be given more accolades or money. He wouldn't win world's best plumber at the Plumber Grammy Awards. (laughs) I don't know. It's very corrupt. It's gotten very corrupt. That's true.
0: The Plumber plumber Grammys are (laughs) Um, not what they used to be. You can't trust the
2: voting
1: at all. I don't watch them
2: anymore. It's too disappointing. (laughs) Their board is made up of all electricians. It's
1: bullshit. Uh, Ah, It's bullshit. I and I'm writing. It. A I knew it.
2: <laughs> I knew it.
1: But wow. anyway, you know what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. because these dudes were celebrities mm-hmm. that there were no consequences, and actually, like re- a reverse reaction. Mm-hmm. They
2: have that clout, and like all the other things that they're doing are so like, like you were saying, counterculture, super cool. Like this mm-hmm. new world, this new wave. Like mm-hmm. everything they're doing has to be cool. Super easy to overlook that
1: in mm-hmm. the context of that culture at the time. Yeah. Even people that you look up to and admire and idolize can be dicks and can be criminals. Because we're
2: all human beings. Mm-hmm. Like so, we yeah. Like, fuck up. Oh, God. Nice job. Thank, Thank, you. Yeah. Thank I you. I am s- sad about...
1: Should we hear a word from our sponsors? Yes, yes, please.
0: Please. It's time to get back to the beach with America's favorite vacation company, Apple Vacations. Book your summer getaway with confidence and enjoy a one-stop vacation shop filled with exceptional values, personalized service, and so much more. And with popular destinations like Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, Hawaii, and the continental United States, there's a sun splash option for everyone.
2: Oh, little insight, I'm going to the beach next week and mm. i absolutely cannot contain my excitement beach vacations are back yeah so each all-inclusive apple vacations package includes round-trip airfare hotel accommodations all meals all drinks entertainment and tips mm. you don't have to think about anything just go just go baby Nonstop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels and for a limited time you can take $75 off your stay at Iberostar Hotels and Resorts with promo code SUN75. So mm-hmm. do not wait. Go to applevacations.com slash wine dash crime to get this steal of a deal to your favorite Iberostar Hotels and Resorts today.
0: We all have. Passions that push us to do big things in life, like watch an entire season of Housewives in one day. Oh, or, I'm very passionate about that. Very passionate about that. Or, you know, for some people, it might be like cooking or their fitness or jewelry making or, you know, any kind of cool thing that you might get into. You might be into selling your crafts online. And this is all out of a deep burning love for logistics and order management, right? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> It's not. Nobody's passionate about that part. And that's why there's ShipStation. They make it easy to manage your orders and get your products out the door so that you can get back to doing what you really love, just growing your business.
2: Exactly. Exploring your actual passion. Mm -hmm. So no matter how you sell, whether it's Shopify, Etsy, Wine and crime podcast at bigcartel.com. Mm-hmm. ShipStation funnels all of your orders into one very simple, very easy to navigate interface that you can manage from anywhere, even from your cell phone. I have the ShipStation app. And let me tell you, if I'm out of town on the road, anything, and there's a question that comes in, <laughs> it could not be easier to find solutions just on the app. Yeah. You'll get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS. Easily compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. With ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. So our itty-bitty little big cartel store, we get the same opportunities as these big Fortune 500 companies. So... It's really cool. And I will also say their customer service is out of this world. Uh, If you have a small business, if you do any kind of e-commerce, definitely check out ShipStation.
0: Yes. Ship more in less time for a lot less money. Just use our offer code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. So, go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in GALS, G-A-L-S. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code GALS, and make ship happen.
2: So those of us who menstruate, Mm. you know, having your period... It, it's already not the best thing in the world, but not tra- fun. traditional period products can often make it a thousand times worse. Mm, you don't Cramping, say. Le- just leaking, uh, the fact that everything's like plastic,
1: mm-hmm, uh, the waste. It
2: just, to me, it. The waste, it just makes my period feel worse than it needs to. Mm-hmm. But if you want a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle, and the planet, you have got to try Flex. Yes,
0: I cannot speak highly enough about flex products okay so flex is innovating period care with products that are body safe made for comfort and made to keep you moving so there's a couple ways that you can go with flex there's the flex disc this is i think this is great for like a first time maybe early sort of menstrual cup user to just kind of get used to the process because this is a one-time use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside of your body. One flex disc can be worn for up to 12 hours and holds as much flow as three super tampons. So think of all the waste you're already reducing by switching to the disc. It's not a cup, but it's better than a tampon, and it is unlike any other period product that you have seen before. It's, like, super flexible. It's just this little disc. Like, if you can make a little O with your hands, that's about how big it looks, and you just kind of give it a pinch and then slip her in there, and she expands to fit you and just, like, takes care of business. You can wear it for mess-free period sex. So, like, your white sheets will thank you. That's something that is, like, different than a cup, different than any other product. The disc lets you get to it um and like i said about the waste it also creates 60 percent less waste compared to pads tampons so yeah you can consider using flex for like your environmental good deed Um, if you want to go all in and do zero waste you could do what i did pick up the flex cup this is the reusable menstrual menstrual cup that cosmo rated number one i mean it is the cadillac of menstrual cups it has a patented pull tab that makes Flex the only cup on the market that removes like a tampon, which was huge for me in that transition from tampons to the cup. It's so easy because you already know how to use it. It's disability friendly. It's made with beginners in mind. It's velvety soft, completely body safe. It lasts for years. And Flex is taking good care of you. They have helpful videos, in-depth diagrams, GIFs, and experts available to walk you through the entire process. You will never go back to products from the past once you try Flex. Take Ab- it from me. Absolutely.
2: So say goodbye to cramps. Put sex back on the table. Mm. Maybe literally. Oh. And, and lend Mother Nature a hand. Go to flexfits.com gals, G-A-L-S, and use code GALS for 20% off Flex Disc Starter Kits or 10% off your first Flex Cup. Plus free US shipping. That's code GALS at flex f L E X fits f I t s dot com slash gals and treat your period. Treat it. Uh, are you ready for my case? Yes. Is it gonna make me hate some artists that I previously liked? No. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Kenyon took care of that part for us.
2: Cool. But obviously we can't talk about
0: groupie crimes without regaling ourselves with the tale of Sid and Nancy. Oh, we are going to be
1: bummed out.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go that hard on it. but yeah, It's arguably one of the most famous groupie crime stories of all time. And this was recommended by our fan picker. So I hope I do it justice. And also,
2: (laughs) wow, excuse me,
0: excuse me.
1: I got to scream Achoo! when I sneeze. It
2: makes it so much better if you scream.
1: It hurts. sometimes. I'm it a hurts screamer. My th- sometimes it hurts my throat <laughs> Good <girl. laughs> to yeah. scream sneeze. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> scream it out, baby. He
0: was a boy. She was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Are we, is it going to be a whole other Avril episode? I wish. No, I only gave you the one. He was born Yours was as,
0: <laughs>
2: too good. I was so
0: good. I'll never be top. <laughs> he was born John Simon Ritchie in 1957 and raised in London. And you know what that means. <laughs> oh, geography. Yeah. Geography. Oh yeah. We yes. haven't had geography in a long time. <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> we haven't. London is located south of Buntingford. <laughs> East of Stoner, oh. north of Slough Green, oh, no. Soylent,
1: green. Soylent yeah. green,
0: and west of Foulness Island, <laughs> where I will be summering from here on out. Oh, foulness Island. I get no cell That's phone the single service in yeah. Foulness Island. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the only
2: one that's open. It's the guest room you have to go into fart where you have when you have company over.
1: Foulness. Yes. Just oh, please excuse me. I'm muffle. visiting
2: Foulness Island.
0: <laughs> I am making a little placard for my bathroom door that Foulness reads Foulness Island. Island.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, let me wrap this up so I can get to work.
1: I'm writing it down so we don't forget. Thank you. he endured
0: a tumultuous upbringing due to his mother's substance use disorder he did not have a relationship with his father and his mother's addiction left him to fend for himself often as a teenager, teenager I know not the best as a teenager, he would find community on London's famous Kings Road, which had become a symbol for mod and counterculture in the 1960s and 70s. Sid found camaraderie in the form of leather jackets, spiked hair, combat boots, and sigs. Sounds oh, familiar. classic,
1: yeah. And hair. Sounds like which I doesn't know. sound quite no, as familiar. Not uh, not as familiar for me. Nah. No, 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 slightly. <laughs> as well. He established himself as a punk yeah, musician only playing
0: only slightly playing drums for Susie and the Banshees and flowers of romance. And in 1977, he was approached by the sex pistols to replace their bass player. Even though fun fact, he didn't know how to play the bass, but he figured it out. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Punk for you. I, I mean, just liked, they just liked his look,
2: his vibe. Yeah. My and husband he the drums. plays the bass and I can't fucking hear the bass to save my fucking life. And I know given song,
1: I, I would it never be disappears. able to like, listen to two people who both did play. Play the bass and didn't play the bass and know which one played the bass. No. I played. Two, I've,
0: I've, I've dated two bass players. One always wanted me to listen for the bass. Oh yeah. The yeah. other didn't, and I'm dating the one who didn't.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Listen for the bass, babe. No, but you you don't hear it right.
2: No, I can't. My ears don't register whatever you're doing. Babe, I I think it's unplugged. I
0: don't love (laughs) you anymore, you know? You're just, like, not into music enough. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. that was a real line. (laughs) Oh, put it on a button and sell it,
2: baby. (laughs) And here I am being like, I don't like music. A
1: bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, I'm fine. Okay. I don't love you anymore. You're not, <laughs> not like into, into music, into music enough. enough. Okay, you play for a cover band. <laughs> <laughs> part, ti- part
2: time. Part <laughs> time. I don't <laughs> know. I was
0: really not. Not supportive. I guess.
1: It's not. Supportive. Just not supportive enough of. His creative life. His dreams. Um, well, so- other
2: people's creative life that he just copies on weekends sometimes. <laughs> Appropriates.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. So, on the other side
2: of the world.
1: Am I wrong? Yes. No. <laughs> Twist of the knife <laughs> of the
0: truth. Knife <laughs> on the other side of the world. Nancy Spongeon oh, oh no! Yep. Was living in a, an upper middle class life in Philadelphia, and it's not working for her. Yeah. Her refusal to conform and bucking of authority, coupled with a possible diagnosis of schizophrenia at age fifteen, mm-hmm. landed her in psychiatric care. After which she became a runaway at seventeen and made her way to New York City to carve out her own life. Was it so, a
2: possible
0: diagnosis, or that we'll get was to a diagnosis? to it in what I am about to say right now. I'm <laughs> not sure of the accuracy of that diagnosis, but it popped up in a couple of articles. It's very certain that she was struggling with her mental health, even if we aren't entirely sure what diagnosis is she most appropriate. She might
1: have just been having, it's the 70s. Like it's she the 70s, she's 15. Like,
0: getting a yeah. schizophrenia diagnosis yeah. at 15 is... Not likely? Not super likely, um so, so it was I,
1: probably just that she was like acting out right. and maybe having outbursts and it could have been any it could have been anxiety it could have been it could have been anything. all
0: kinds yeah. of things it could have been schizophrenia i don't know but i can't say with confidence that that's what it was
1: i'm going to say no yeah
0: so <laughs> she worked as an exotic dancer and fell in love with punk music and became well known as a groupie in punk circles she made her way to london when she was 19 to follow her favorite band at the time dolls and the heartbreakers Little did she know that this trip would lead her straight into the arms of her Romeo, Sid Vicious, and a new dedication to the Sex Pistols.
1: And also a really good pet name for, like, a hamster.
0: Sid Vicious? (laughs) (laughs) That would be good. It also wasn't exactly love at first sight, which in another parallel to my previous dating days when my eyes first landed on the lead singer and then his wedding ring and then... To the bass player.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nancy initially went for Johnny Rotten. She was more of a lead singer gal, Mm -hmm. but he turned her down. Then her Mm -hmm. eyes fell upon Sid, the bass player, who also rejected her initially, but came around real quick. And Mm -hmm. the two officially started dating.
2: When did he change his name or was that just his stage name? That was a stage name. Yeah, He like went
0: by Sid Vicious- Pretty much, I think, as soon as he started, like, really hanging out on, on King's Road or whatever. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, like, getting into the culture. Mm-hmm. Their romance was a drug-fueled whirlwind, and they quickly moved in together. They both struggled with heroin addiction, and their wild behavior was absolute gold for the tabloid press. Nancy was affectionately named, quote, Nauseating Nancy. Oh, that's nice. Uh-huh. And despite both of them being physically and verbally abusive to each other, Nancy was really the only one brutally smeared in the press. Mm-hmm. No shack there. Their codependency and volatile ve- behavior was disturbing from the get-go. From the This is a quote from biography.com. One onlooker captured the unique nature of their bond, describing how Spongeon once instructed Vicious to push a fawning groupie down the stairs at a club and he did without a second thought, recalled oh, the witness. Oh, my God. Cool. He, he was a knight in rusty armor. Ew. End quote. And as the Sex Pistols became more famous, the drug use escalated because obviously they just had more access to it. The couple was causing a rift in the band who weren't exactly a harmonious group of individuals in the first place. But they hated Nancy and wanted her gone. Yeah, they she hated was her- in the
1: clubhouse. Yeah. What the fuck? Well,
0: yes, and uh, they they hated her, which is unfair, because they, it t- it took the both of them to engage in this behavior. Right. But what they really hated was the relationship and how, right. like, fucked up Sid was, and he could, like, barely play, and was right. just a mess to be in a
2: band
1: with. Yeah, he and was then, a, an addict. Yes. You know, and she was just,
2: you know, fueling They were it. just,
0: yeah, they were they just were, both psychologically... In distress, they both suffered from substance use disorder, and they were having continuous, like, volatile and violent outbursts. Like, that would be a fucking nightmare to be around all the time. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to do shit about it because you're so deeply ingrained in the punk scene that that's just, like, part of it. Right. So, like, who is sitting you down and going, hey... This is really dangerous and yeah. alarming behavior. We need to get you some help. Like, nobody's no. fucking doing that. He looks cool. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say. They're all over
2: the press. To a certain yeah. point, that behavior is actually probably helping their popularity. Right? Oh, yeah. And,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, every people like, they were like the couple that everyone loved to hate and were super jealous mm-hmm. of. Like, they were yeah. all over the fucking tabloids yes. all the time in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So... Um, They hated Nancy so much that their band manager, Malcolm McLaren, even tried to have her kidnapped and put on a plane back to New York City. my God. Yeah, but the couple were so inseparable and also, like, bonkers that they couldn't get an opportunity to snatch her up without (laughs) Sid there to defend her. So, like,
1: that plan fell apart. There's nothing funny about that, but... But it's funny. It is funny. It is. I mean. Well, it's like cartoonish. It's yeah. so it's cartoonish. It's such an outrageous
2: plan that it's like, oh, it's oh okay. Absurd. It's, it's the
1: reverse Home Alone. Yes. <laughs> Just putting her on a plane. Get the fuck out of England. Kevin! <laughs> so. <That's it. laughs> When the
0: band set boundaries and barred her from joining them on their U.S. tour in 1978, Sid responded by lashing out violently at shows, even hitting an audience member over the head with his bass guitar in Dallas. Oh my God! Which, like, a bass guitar is not heavy, like yeah. a fucking it's acoustic heavy. machine <laughs> that could have killed this person. Yeah, made they out of God like got it metal. metal. It would be like a shovel.
1: It's yeah. equivalent to a shovel. It's yeah, very, heavy. very bad.
0: But this tour would be the end of the Sex Pistols altogether with a disastrous show in San Francisco on January 14th, 1978. So they'd barely been on tour for two weeks. And this tour in the U.S. was like the end of the Sex Pistols because it was just too much. Because of him? Mostly because of him. All of it, yeah. But, I mean, I just don't think, I think that some groups do well traveling together and Mm. some just don't. Mm and some just really don't. <laughs> so this is from Rolling Stone, quote, in America what fucked it up was what they was that they treated us like rock stars, says Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones in John Savage's book England's Dreaming. They didn't know any different. They treat anyone who comes over the same way. So like they were this little band that nobody right. knew about in the US, but they come over and they play shows and everybody was treating them like they were fucking They were stars. David mm-hmm. Bowie giving them free drugs. Yes. So he goes on to say, at Winterland, which was um, Winterland the, Ballroom,
1: yeah, in New Jersey. The,
0: no, this was there was a Winterland vol- Ballroom in San Francisco. This is where oh. their last show is. But I'm I'm sure there are multiples. So at Winterland, I had a cold. Sid wasn't playing a single note, and he wasn't even plugged in half the time.
2: <laughs> um, which like, and nobody fucking realized it. So nobody <laughs> noticed. <laughs> <laughs> there we said it.
0: There we said it. Listen for the bass though. Like just listen to the bassline. No, it's but, like, like so complex. For it, oh, <laughs> you're not listening right.
1: So it sounds like this.
0: Can you hear it? Can you hear it though? Can you hear it? <laughs> just listen. <laughs> just like, just a, just like
2: a three note listen. range. <laughs> just listen. And <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: really repetitive. <laughs> 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 anyway okay <laughs> <laughs> babe babe, <gasps> babe. listen oh,
0: i really miss him
1: so it says me and,
0: me and paul just wanted to play the one that I got kept, away i kept cutting out strings breaking left right and center the sound was absolutely atrocious and johnny rotten's voice started to give out Ooh. the band closed with the cover of the stooges no fun and near the end rotten melts down Quote, there's no fun in being alone. He says, this is no fun. It is no fun at all. He's saying this on stage (laughs) to to the the audience.
2: audience. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) When the song ends, he famously asks the crowd, quote, ever get the feeling you've been cheated? And then drops the microphone and walks off stage. I'm doing (laughs) that at our next live show. Our (laughs) Portland (laughs) show.
1: Oh, Oh, no. Oh, Oh, I scared. I... (laughs) I scared the shit out of that guy. If only
0: you folks knew, you'll have to wait for our book for the behind the scenes. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the show itself was
0: phenomenal. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Beautiful
1: audience, gorgeous phenomenal. audience. Phenomenal. Pizza. Oh. Pizza. Loved it. Uh, Actually, donuts. Super fun. Yeah. Super, super, super show. fun show.
0: Some the of the staff, venue. however,
2: not so great. <laughs> we won't be back to that venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Anyway, okay, so it says it was the last time the Sex Pistols would perform together until their reunion tour in 1996.
1: To <laughs> so like, know that that happened, yeah, bye bye. I mean, what the cares. hell? So Some the band went back home. Are just over
0: so bad. The band went back home to London, but Sid and Nancy made their way to New York City, holding up in the Chelsea Hotel under Sid's real name, John Simon Ritchie. Sid attempted a solo career, but it didn't take off. <laughs> and the crushing rejection it's of trying to
1: go solo as a bass player. Bassist that can't play bass.
0: Yeah. He's
1: real addicted to drugs.
0: I mean, he figured out how to play bass. Right. But.
2: Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's still bass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Love (laughs) the crushing rejection of trying to make it on his own, coupled with this toxic relationship, led to more drugs and a lot more intimate partner violence. One particular argument on and the night before October 12th of 1978. So they'd like been on their own in New York City for only nine months. Mm -hmm. And this would be their last Mm -hmm. argument. Sid awoke early that morning to find Nancy dead surrounded like in a pool of her own blood on the bathroom floor of their Chelsea hotel room. She died from a knife wound to the abdomen that caused her to bleed out. The wound was consistent with a knife belonging to Sid and he was soon arrested for her murder. According to his conflicting stories of that previous night's events, he admitted that the two had had an argument and that he stabbed her but never intended to kill her. Then he changed his story shortly thereafter, saying she fell on the knife.
2: Oh, who I has all- ever fallen on a
0: knife? <laughs> and then he ran into my knife. He ran into he my, ran my knife ten times. Ten times. times. <laughs> Yeah. And changed the story again, so a third time, claiming he had no recollection of the evening in question, which honestly, like, the that's previous the evening. most believable. Yeah. 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 He, was pretty inebri- <laughs> uh, uh, he was pretty inebriated with drugs and alcohol at the time of his arrest, which rendered his recollection of events incredibly unreliable. So they couldn't, like, get a confession because he was, like, so fucked up that it wouldn't hold yeah. up in court, basically. Right. And the punk community had their theories surrounding Nancy's death, and I guess we would just not know until this thing goes to trial. So some argued that Nancy was killed in a robbery gone wrong, carried out by one of the many drug dealers who were coming in and out of the hotel room to sell them heroin. Two dealers were confirmed to have entered and exited their room that night, and many believe that one of these dealers set Sid up to look like the murderer and took off with cash that was noticed missing from the hotel room.
1: I'm going to come in here and say that I knew Almost nothing about this case, so I don't know the truth or how it ends. And also, he did it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, I I don't know, but it really seems like he did. I
1: mean, that sounds given their history.
2: This is plausible, though. This robbery thing is is actually like
1: a fairly plausible alternate theory, but I'm saying that as somebody that doesn't know the red Totally plausible. Mm hmm.
0: No other evidence of a struggle or foul play was found, and the NYPD did not investigate this possibility. However, no other evidence of a struggle or foul play in a Chelsea in the Chelsea Hotel where they've just been holed up doing a ton of heroin for right. nine months. Yeah, like how could the you that? The place even... was probably a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. like, what evidence— Right. It, it, yeah, it probably looked like a goddamn bomb went off. Right. Some reports also stated that though Sid owned the same knife that killed Nancy, this was not confirmed to be the murder weapon. It was like the same type of knife. Okay. But there, we don't know for sure because it's like the 70s. Pre-luminal, I guess. If this was the murder weapon, it was just Mm. consistent with the wound.
2: Okay. Okay. And really all they can probably tell are like, it was or was not serrated. mm -hmm. It was like. 4 inches long or whatever. Yeah, it's not right. as They can't take as DNA off of
0: it. It's fucking 1977. Yeah. yeah. Like they're not doing that shit. So these possibilities, like I said, would have to wait to be explored in court. Sid was beside himself in the wake of Nancy's death. While out on bail after his arrest, he attempted suicide by cutting himself with a broken light bulb. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Was it this just a- was not just, but was it more of a cry for help or was it like the closest weapon at hand?
0: I think it was the closest weapon at hand because okay. it, it he was not well. Right. You know, like, I, I think that were he given enough time and enough and, and a proper weapon, mm-hmm. he likely would Went have ahead. been successful. Yeah. This event would result in a psychiatric hospitalization at Bellevue Hospital, where he made another attempt at completing suicide by trying to jump from a window this attempt was stopped by hospital staff who pulled him inside as he yelled, I want to be with my Nancy. Oh, in an interview he gave before his trial, he didn't exactly confirm or deny his involvement in her murder, but said that her young death was an inevitability that he'd always expected. Quote, Nancy always said she would die before he was tw- before she was 21.
1: I mean, that's just like something people say. Yeah. So fast, don't use young. it as an excuse. Evidence.
0: Right. Or, yeah. yeah, an excuse.
1: Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones had provided
0: a lawyer to represent Sid in court because he didn't have finances to afford it on his own. And that was, like, this quiet thing that, like, didn't come out in the press because, like, mm. Mick Jagger didn't, like...
1: Advertise it? That yeah. he was funding the defense of a possible murderer? murderer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And Sid was instructed to keep a low profile in anticipation of his first court appearance. But Sid was gonna do Sid. Yeah. And on December 9th, 1978, he attended a punk rock show where he punched Todd Smith, brother of Patti Smith, who basically ruled the New York City punk scene at the time and was known as the Punk Poet Laureate, punched her brother right in the face. <laughs> but like, it's at a punk show, but still right. it's like, dude, you're about to go to trial for murder.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Like lock it up.
2: I also feel like a lot of people <laughs> got punched in the face at a punk show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely,
0: but a lot of those people were probably not out on bail waiting yeah. no. trial no. for murder. Right. I'm not saying
1: it was
2: smart. Right. I've been <laughs> punched in the face profile. at a rack show. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna punch Patty Smith's brother, brother in the face. Bye. I've been punched
2: in the back at a show before.
1: Who it hasn't
2: by a that's man? Not... Duh. duh. Oh, well, I was it was our friend. Huck's show oh. yeah. so like kind of screamo really y mm-hmm. rock sort of mm-hmm. and and a dude just punched you well screamo I didn't realize there was, was like a rock. mosh pit right behind yeah. me you
0: got pitted accidentally yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. it yeah. hurt though mm-hmm. yes. I went and stood well. in the back after that right. <laughs> so Lucy I don't care for music <laughs> I was supporting my friend who also happened to be a bass player in that band. (laughs) Screamy.
1: Yeah, but he's actually talented. We
2: need to
0: stop hanging out with bass players.
1: I'm married to one. Y'all have a problem. I know.
0: We do have a problem. I'm good.
1: You're good. I I say strong fingers. I say far away from musicians.
0: Yeah, our boys know they're picking. So
1: this assault
0: would land him in Rikers for 55 days. He was released on February 1st, 1979, and placed in the custody of his former sex pistols manager, Malcolm McLaren. You know, the guy who later admitted to trying to kidnap Nancy.
2: Cool. It's very
0: dysfunctional. (laughs) What a family. The night of his release, Sid decided to celebrate his freedom with a night of drugs and alcohol after 55 days detoxing in Rikers. Oh, no. Yep. And as members of the New York City punk scene came and went, Sid kept a steady stream of alcohol and heroin flowing through him and was pronounced dead as a result of heroin overdose on February 2nd. Mm. As the only solid suspect in Nancy's murder, his death halted the investigation and the case was dismissed without a posthumous conviction of Sid. So we don't officially know on any kind of record who is responsible for Nancy's death. Though it's most likely Sid Vicious. Sid vicious. And frankly, the escalation of his behavior, his
1: yeah. drug use, Previous his depression.
0: Abuse. After killing your partner who, yes, your relationship was highly, highly violent and volatile, like there's still there can still be love there. It doesn't it's not always
1: healthy, but like oh, imagine yeah, the fact killing that he someone felt that remorse and right. and that's what I mean. I think so intensely. I think it w- fucked him up because he knew he guilt. did it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah. he just like was so horrified by what he'd done that he was trying to like drink and escape and shoot it away, basically. Yeah, or and kill he,
2: himself. To- well,
0: right. Yeah, he literally did try to complete suicide twice, at mm-hmm. least as far as we know in that time. So. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll, all all signs point to him in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's like usually the most likely mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. is the most likely thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although like Kenyon said that the theory of the like drug deal slash mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: robbery gone wrong
1: That makes t- totally absolute possible sense also. Also very possible and also he he bears guilt for that if that is what mm-hmm. happened because mm-hmm. He's the one I mean, they're both addicts and users, but he was the one probably in charge of acquiring mm-hmm. drugs and
0: Yeah, and there were some reports that like while Nancy did recreationally use drugs before she was with Sid, mm-hmm. she hadn't started using heroin mm-hmm. until Sid like introduced mm-hmm. her to heroin. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean there's like we can pass blame
1: around forever. I mm-hmm. think he's I think he stabbed her in the stomach. That's just what I think. I think that's number one most likely. And number two, most likely drug deal mm-hmm. gone wrong, and and he would still bear responsibility for that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Anyway, that's yeah. my case. Well, Thanks good Mortenie. job Thanks, Blortney <laughs> Boy, um, I was surprised. I yeah, I just didn't. You know, you hear about Sid and Nancy, and you think you know what they're about. I kind of right. just pictured them as like I want to watch British the movie punk, now. Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. I was re- I heard a
2: reference to them in a song recently and uh, didn't know anything about Sugar, them either. Baby. And I googled them. I go- I looked at their Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. So probably in the last six months, I've read up on what actually happened because I didn't mm-hmm. know either. I just yeah. knew they were like a volatile punk couple, right? I, I want yeah, and the like the photos of them
0: are so fucking iconic. I put a yeah. bunch of them on the drive. That'll yeah. be on the blog. But
2: it was lot- from that song. You're my mm-hmm. butterfly, sugar. Sugar, baby. baby. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. and you like Sid and Nancy. <laughs> yeah. So sexy, almost evil. Talking about butterflies, butterflies in my, in my head. head. I used to think that happy endings were only well, in the books the I read. Read. But you made me feel alive when I was almost, almost dead. It. You feel that empty space with the love I used to chase. <laughs> Special thanks, thanks a sweet than to
1: Courtney I, Roy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: butterfly, I, here is a song. And
1: it's with a kiss, kiss and a, a thank you, miss. Amanda's a... But Butterf- of well, who's saying that? song Oh, uh, fuck! It's fuck. from the Orange County soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. The movie Orange County, Butterf- which that is what I need to watch again. Head. Okay, what is
0: this?
1: Who sings that? Well, the second you say it, they I'm like just like- they like remixed it like four years ago, and I felt like a grand crazy town, crazy town.
2: <laughs> Somebody God. like remixed
1: it, and it like the remix came on and oh, or they sampled no. it and then it came on the radio and i like screamed and then it wasn't <laughs> that song mm. god. god god bless you must have
2: been so embarrassed
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, just me All and right. me and my uber driver <laughs>
0: Just the two of us. Yikes! We can
1: make it if we
0: try.
2: just the two of us. Alright. We will see you next oh, oh, week, at the
1: end of the episode.
2: Yes. That's it. Bye. Bye-bye.